talk some charts and big macro themes with Nick Colas joining us from DataTrek, co-founder at DataTrek Research. Nick, good to have you back on the show. Long time no chat. How you been? Doing well. So let's first talk about some of the kind of shorter term action here, Nick. We've got participation in the queues. The NASDAQ is firming up. We've got Tesla strong and bonds little changed. How much of this recent NASDAQ strength has to do with the 10 years difficulty breaking higher past 1.7%? I think it's uh, at least half of it. You're right. I mean, we all thought the 10-year was going to rip right to 2%, and it's really stalled out here, even with the strong economic data, which tells you that investors feel like perhaps inflation is a short-term issue, but not a long-term issue. And that's really helped tech valuations and the rotation back into technology. And it's, it's not the kind of playbook that I think any of us thought was going to be in place on January 1st, but we clearly have it going into Q2. So, Nick, right now, when we look at this rotation back and forth, generally it's favored still, even after this tech push, it's favored the reopening trades, it's favored the Russell year to date. Do you see that continuing? What data is your team looking at to see how much power, lasting and staying power this rotation has? You know, the rotation into small cap was way too much too fast. That was our take looking at the data and looking at how the Russell performed in this cycle versus, say, 2010 and 2009, which is a very analogous period, crisis and recovery. And what we saw was the Russell's just massively outperformed, unsustainably so. So the Russell's got to take a breather here. And that's an important reason why we saw the Russell, you know, gap up at the open and reverse so heavily. It's just run too far too fast. We like the S&P better, uh, much better better as a trade over the near term, and that is working much better. So we'd still be cautious on small caps and look to be cycling back into large caps. In other words, we're like the SPYs, don't like the IWMs. Okay. All right. So the small caps too far, but the S&P can still capture some of kind of what got that trade going. It sounds like a little bit, the overall strength and recovery. Does it look like something that's going to be net positive for the market over the long term, Nick, or will we keep running into problems with the bond market or will we have these kind of if then either or bifurcated days what is the kind of regime look like that investors should expect for the general returns in the S&P over the, the the next year yeah, it's a great question. You know, we're up 6%, say, on the S&P, and we're up uh, double digits on the Russell, and that's going to be a pretty typically good year to return all on its own. We do think the S&P has more room to the upside for a couple of reasons. The first one is all the stimulus and the potential infrastructure package really give us a recovery like we've never seen before. So you can, to some degree, use the old playbooks as a direction, but realize it's going to be amplified even more in 2021. So we like the S&P. We think we can still do another 5 or 10% this year just based on that recovery trade. And we do like the recovery trades generally. So we like the airlines, like the hotels. Um, those kind of things are going to continue to work. And because of all the stimulus, we've actually had an all of the above recovery so far. That's been the big surprise this year. It isn't just the recovery trades working. Tech is working because we're even like a Home Depot making a new high today and over the last couple of weeks is pretty dramatic. We all thought that was going to be kind of dead money. It hasn't worked out that way. It's an all of the above recovery. There's maybe one thing here. We've got some charts, Nick. This one that you sent over shows the expectations for the next two, this year and next year for EPS. Um, and obviously it's been increasing, but is the rate of that changing? Walk me through what's important here. 
Yeah, what's really important is that's a chart of the last year's worth of analyst expectations for S&P earnings for 2021 on the bottom and 2022 on the top. And you can see that the recovery in the stock market was exactly in line with recovery in earnings expectations, and that's played through exactly right. But if you look at the right side of that chart, you'll see that the earnings expectations are kind of flattened out coming into Q1 earnings season, which we get next week. That's important because without that juice of higher earnings expectations, it's much harder to justify current valuations. We're looking for for the S&P to do more like 220 in 2022 versus the 202 the street has currently. We think earnings can still rise, but it's really important to get this Q1 earnings season to show analysts that the earnings power and earnings leverage is there so we can continue to see these revisions to the upside. That's a chart we're watching literally week by week as FactSet publishes it. It's super important. Mm. So if this doesn't continue its ascent higher, do we have an issue for stocks, uh, Nick? If the market has understood the earnings power here because we're at the point where we have to grow into the valuations right like there's not a lot of uh, wiggle room on earnings I would think given how expensive stocks are yeah you nailed it that is exactly the right way to look at it we need to see these numbers continue to rise analysts continue to come out and say okay great earnings on the quarter we're raising estimates for the year we're raising estimates for next year that's the cadence that we have to see during q1 earnings season otherwise yeah the market is in some trouble because we do know rates will eventually continue to rise they're not going back to one percent and so we do need earnings to come through to show that earnings leverage and that's exactly why the market trades for 21 times earnings because the market thinks it's really 19 times earnings and numbers are going up mm. Okay, what about the ability to track the status of the reopening and what that means for valuations? Because for many, they still think about the expensive stuff in this market as the tech trade from last year, the growth trade, EVs, all that stuff. But now we've got some pretty expensive valuation metrics on the reopening trades too. So Nick, I know you guys look at uh, search activity. You look at uh, bookings activity. What is gonna tell you if this new momentum trade will have valuation issues uh, as well? Yeah, yeah, again, very important point. If you look at, um, let's just take the airlines, for example. Airline bookings are definitely rising. Interest in looking for airline trips on Google, absolutely rising, getting back to 2019 levels at the low end of the range. Same for hotels. All that recovery is definitely happening. And you see airline ticket prices also beginning to rise. They're rising 20 and 30% over the course of a couple of weeks for the same trip with the same date. So you can see the airlines are beginning to have some pricing power. So what you're seeing on that chart right now is a Google Trends volume, meaning search volume for all the major airlines. You can see like after a very tough 2019, they've begun to rally and are getting back to levels where we saw them prior to the pandemic. That's what you want to see. That's got to convert into traffic, of course, and then convert into earnings. We think it will. But in many cases, these stocks are most of the way back to their old levels. And so you're really playing for a very big bounce, a very big Q2 in, or Q3 and Q4 for things like travel. We think that'll happen and we monitor it weekly to make sure that we see the search data continue. And so far it has. Okay. And uh, Airbnb looking like it's uh, got a head start even by historical standards. Airbnb really is killing it. Yeah, there's no other way to put it. Their search volumes are off the charts. It's, that looks great. Airbnb is going to have a valuation issue perhaps, but it does not have a business issue. It is doing fantastic. 
Okay. Now, Nick, uh, thinking about the connection between all the stimulus that we've been talking about and then what's coming down the pike, what is priced in and what's not, it's pretty interesting to me that we've got this dollar climbing. We've had yields up, obviously, year to date as all the stimulus has come through. There are a lot of folks who said all the stimulus was going to be dollar negative. And thinking about what that means for the markets, uh, what does your team think about as being the kind of main way to track whether or not stimulus has been understood by investors at this point? Yeah, on the dollar, it's interesting. We went back and looked at what uh, the dollar did after the financial crisis, and it did have that weakening phase, just like we had recently. And then it had a counter trend strengthening phase when it became clear that the rest of the world wasn't going to recover as quickly, particularly Europe. And so we're seeing the same exact narrative now. So we're not surprised by the dollar strength. It'll weaken eventually. You know, it, it's fine. Um, but we do see that it signals the same basic issue, which is yes, the U.S. economy is good. So U.S. earnings power is good. But for 40% of the S&P is offshore revenues and earnings. And for companies that have exposure overseas, particularly in Europe, it's not going to be as robust a recovery as a U.S.-only com uh, company. Mm, okay, so the dollar complicates it a little bit. Uh, Nick, the last chart you've got that I think is, is pretty interesting, uh, this is looking at volatility in terms of the size of moves. Uh, when the S&P rose or fell by more than 1%, clearly last year, was one of the most wild years in history. Can we glean anything from that? What's the conclusion here? Yes, it's really interesting because investors don't like volatility, right? It makes trading very hard. It makes it profitable if you're on the right side of the trade, but it really smacks you around if you're not. The funny thing about volatility is that when you buy into a big rise in volatility like last year, and you can see this on the chart, every time you do that, whether it be in 2002 or 2008, you end up making really good returns over the next year as we have. The issue is volatility has come down really fast in the current market versus where it was last year. And we're at a level now where forward returns aren't going to be quite as good. So you obviously can't expect another easy 20% on the S&P simply because volatility is not high enough to then come down and provide those returns. So as I said, we're looking for 5 to 10% over the rest of the year very easily. But because volatility is already so low, we don't have that much more volatility to cut back to see returns rise. In other words, volatility and returns are inversely correlated, and we're already at very low volatility relatively speaking okay all right uh, so now expecting maybe a little bit of a different type of year but uh, some drama nonetheless as we see here uh, Nick uh, really like the charts as always really good stuff VIX uh, trading below 18 again here today thank you Nick Collis co-founder thank you thank you sir at data track research always really good look at the market